Amen. If you turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew, book of Matthew, it's good to see everybody today. And I'm going to pray here again in just a moment. As God's laid it on my heart to kind of pray over the, all the things we have coming up, all the opportunities that are either on ramps for you or for someone else to get plugged into this local church. Um, on your bulletin are a number of things. We have a couple of opportunities for fellowship that are coming up. Uh, one at Lion Farms on the 23rd of this month. And then a Christmas gathering for ladies is coming up in November. You can uh, purchase tickets for those and your families uh, today. Uh, but also their, their trunk or treat is coming up, y'all. If you've never been to a trunk or treat here, last Sunday this month, that Sunday night, there'll be all kinds of people on this campus. And it's a great opportunity for us to put the gospel in their hand. It's an opportunity for us as, as the church to be uh, reachable and, and for us to interact with people from our own community and even outside this community. But we need your help. Uh, we've been asking you to bring candy. Please continue to bring candy because every time we ask for it, it seems like it's never enough, even though you respond in a big way. Uh, we definitely need candy, but we need trunks. We're looking for about 50 to 60 trunks. I think we're about halfway there. Basically, you, you can go online and get the information for that, but you set up a trunk. As people come by, you give them candy. That's really what um, it involves, but we need, still need trunks for that. I also want you to continue to pray about your giving to the Give to Go offering and what that means and looks like for your family as it funds our entire missions budget for the entire year. Uh, and, and even now, we just welcomed a team back from uh, Texas, we have a team that went to Eastern Europe and that's, on the, uh, that's, that's getting back into the area. And so we want you to continue to pray for our, our missions efforts. And then the first Sunday night of November, uh, we're, we're going church on the road into West Limestone High School. It'll be a one night worship service in a nearby community. And again, uh, when, when people ask us, are you planning a church there? No. Are we open to it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we would love for the Lord to lead us there if God willing uh, that he would send us there. And so we're praying for God to determine our steps. And once again, I, I put this out to you as we put it out in recent weeks. If you are a family that has a vested interest in that community or you live in that community and you might be interested in being a part of a new work there, please contact a, a leader or a staff member here and let us know how you may want to be involved. Uh, but we have a lot going on here and there's a lot going on here, not just going on, but it's going on with a purpose. Amen. Uh, we want to be here on purpose. We want to come to church on purpose, study the word of God on purpose to leave here to live on purpose. And so with that, let me pray for us and uh, pray over this, uh, this message today on evangelism, and uh, we'll be on our way. Lord, we thank you so much once again for your church. Lord, I ask God today that there would be a spirit of unity in this place. Father, that we would hear the message not for someone else, but for ourselves. Lord, that, that there will be a response from our heart. God, if, if we need to, to care more about others, if we need to reach more to others, or Lord, if the message today is for us that we need to turn from ourselves and abandon our way and seek after you because, Lord, we need you. Lord, would you show it to us, whatever it is that we need, Lord, so that together we can be the body of Christ working together for your glory and for the good man. Thank you, God, for getting us back in here this week. Lord, I know there are people here that are tired. Lord, I know there are people here that are frustrated and they're bringing worries and cares and concerns into this sanctuary. We pray, Spirit of God, that you minister to each one. And Lord, raise us up as a great light, Lord, for this community for years and years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a running list of people on a small sticky note on my desk that I pray for often. I pray for them by name. I have a relationship with each one. Some of those on that sticky note are closer than others. 
Uh, but all of them, their names are there because I'm uncertain of their relationship with God. I'm not sure of their standing with God, whether it's right or wrong or distant or close. And so with each one of those, not only do I list their name down and I pray for them, but I try to be living proof in front of them that Jesus saved me, that God has changed my life and he's leading me in the direction that he wants me to go. And that is the big idea of the sermon this morning. It's this, identify people who need the gospel. Who in your circle, who on your pew, who in your family, who in your community, in your school, in your place of business, who there needs the gospel? Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. We'll read this passage together as all three of our campuses will be looking at everyday mission for the next three weeks. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. The scripture says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. And later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus engages a tax collector towards the good news, towards the gospel. And with all the influence that followed Jesus, he simply said to him, follow and be my disciple. And the scripture says that Matthew got up and he followed him. A Jewish tax collector was despised. If there was anybody during October that you would want to roll their yard, it would have been Matthew. He's the guy that you need to set out and throw rolls of toilet paper in the tops of the trees. I'm, I'm parents, I'm just kidding. It's just an illustration. Some of y'all acting like y'all didn't do that. Anyway, if there was ever anyone to deserve a toothbrush in their Halloween bucket, it was Matthew, a despised Jewish tax collector. He, it, by the way, that's the number one hated thing that you put in somebody. Don't be that person, by the way. That is the number one thing, according to online resources, to say that they hate to receive on Halloween. Some of you are looking at me like I disagree with you. Maybe you have dentists in here. <laughs> tax collectors were white-collar crooks. They were self-indulgent traitors to their own people in their own communities. They were motivated by greed. They partnered with the Roman oppression to collect taxes over and above what was owed, and they would profit off of that. And they would use this working relationship with the Romans to their advantage. And tax collectors like Matthew would make threats or, or even use force with the Roman backing to take more of their fair share from their own countrymen and use it towards their own abundant lifestyle. This is Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. And this is the relationship that the community has with him. This is the reputation that he carries. He is a betrayer. He is, is a bully of his own people and he got rich off of it. This was Matthew. Matthew would have been someone that you would, if you would have seen him coming, you would have rolled your eyes and you would have walked the other way. You would have kept your distance from him. 
But rather than avoid this tax collector, the Lord engaged him. He saw him and he went to him. He literally saw Matthew while he was walking. And rather than move away from the center, he moved towards him with a purpose. Jesus approached and engaged someone that would rival everything that you believe is right. Let me say that one more time. Jesus approached and engaged someone that you may think today is someone that rivals everything that you believe is right. That's who Jesus went to and said, come and follow me. The one that you see on your screens during the week that drives you terribly crazy. The one that that Jesus engaged is the one that we likely have criticized this past week. Maybe for you, it's the one that politically disagrees with everything that you say and everything that you stand for. That's the one that Jesus went to. Maybe for you, it's someone that is a menace to society. They have a historical record that includes no regard for their fellow man. That's the one that Jesus engaged. Maybe it's someone with a reputation of immorality. Or maybe it's just someone who is completely different from you. And because you don't talk to them, if someone on the outside looking in didn't know any better, they would think that you hate them or dislike them, but it's simply you just don't know how to talk to them. That's the one that Jesus engaged. Maybe it is an Alabama or a Tennessee fan on a Sunday morning following a Saturday night that you just do not want to be around. I guess the question is, how do you see people? In your life, in your circles, how do you see people? Jesus saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth and while others were saying, get away from me, he said, follow me. This is our example. He is our King, our Lord, not a news source, not a political leader, not the temperature of the culture. Jesus sets the standard for his church, amen? This is the approach that Jesus takes. His approach always seemed to be, I've got what you need. That is the approach that Jesus always took. I've got what you need. And because Jesus said to him, follow me and be my disciple, we can at least understand that instead of our Lord identifying him as one who needed to be punished or one who needed to be judged, he identified him as one who needed to hear the gospel. One who needed to hear about grace and truth. Jesus noticed people. Jesus knew people. And don't skip over that. Jesus noticed people. He did not just skip by them or pass over them. He knew people. And while it's certain that Jesus knew his sin, he would have known the parts of Matthew that no one else would take time to see. His brokenness, his loneliness, his reasons why he did what he did. Jesus knew all of that. And it's very likely that he lived an isolated life with little connection for meaningful relationships. You see, when you see Matthew and then you hear the context that he was living an abundant lifestyle, you would probably think, well, he's got it made. Nobody's holding him accountable. He's making all kinds of money, hand over fist. Everything is going well. But listen to what he did. He took from his own people and he served at the pleasure of the oppressors. So none of them, nobody around him liked him. 
None of them would have welcomed him to their table. Neither side would have valued him. So while this would have been a lucrative job, it would have been a lonely life. And who knew that? Jesus knew that. Now listen, unless God has given you the aptitude to know someone's life before you meet them, we will have to build a relationship before we understand the brokenness of another. We will have to talk to them and understand why they are in the place that they are in. But Jesus knew this, and I think for us, we don't really believe that people like this so far from God can actually be saved, church. It's like we see them and think, I don't think God could even reach them. I don't think they would ever turn from themselves and turn to God. And the scripture says something to us completely different. The woman at the well, Zacchaeus, Matthew, the tax collectors, the apostle Paul, all of those who were in the culture and absolutely rivaled the things of God turn from themselves and turn to Jesus. Heck, us. I don't know if I should say heck. But think about us. Everything about us. Before redemption and forgiveness and grace and mercy, everything about us rivaled the holiness of God. Yet God's spirit pursued us into a right relationship with God Almighty to have right standing by his grace and the blood and the stripes of Jesus Christ. That is the only reason why we would ever consider ourselves good. There are none good outside of Jesus. And if we stand right before God, it will only be because of him. How dare we look down our nose at anyone else? Rather than living in relationship with people who need Jesus with an attitude of I've got what you need, we simply leave them alone. Just let them be or, or we'll just talk about them for how wrong they are even though they've never had the love of light of Christ in their life. Start to preach now, amen. You see, it's obvious that God's spirit has been working on Matthew already. He's already considering his wrong. He's considering the right of God. He's around a, a culture that, that at least honors God, even though a lot of that culture got it wrong and thought it was works-based salvation. He's considering all of this because he's probably thinking, there's no way I could work my way to heaven. And then Jesus capitalizes on that relationship. See, Matthew would have heard the stories of Jesus by now. He would have heard about an offer of forgiveness. He would have thought, you know what, that would be great to have in my own life because there's been a lot of times I've let people down. And so the man who others never thought would be saved or whose life would change is the one in Scripture that got up and followed him and wrote this book we're reading right now. He wrote this gospel. Turn over a chapter, he's one of the 12 following Jesus. The despised tax collector, the one that nobody wanted to be around, is step for step behind our Lord and Savior. Matthew left a comfortable situation with security because of an uncomfortable conviction with sin. Now I want you to hear that again because today is a challenge to the church but it's also a message to that person that's on the outside looking in. Matthew left a comfortable situation. And y'all, just to be quite honest, for many living in our culture right around us, it's a very comfortable situation with security, but heaven knows there's an uncomfortable conviction of sin. And so, 
It's quite possible that one or many here today, here today, find themselves in a similar situation where there's personal security, but there is no personal peace. There is no lay down your head at night knowing that you've dealt with your sin before God and you've called upon the name of the Lord to be saved and ask God to take you over and God's spirit is working in your life. You have personal security because everything around you seems to be going okay, but there's no spiritual personal peace. Maybe you're like Matthew, that he had to have thought that a right relationship with God would be great, but I just don't know if I can have one. Because all the things I've done in my life, I don't know if God would accept me and forgive me, and even if God would, you would have to give up the comfortable part of your life, and that scares you to death. So you've always distanced yourself from it because you don't know exactly what you have to give up. Well, you can walk away sad like the rich young ruler or you can draw near to God like the tax collector Matthew who wrote the gospel that we read this morning. I wonder if Matthew would go back and be like, yeah, you know what? I had life like I liked it and I'd like to go back to that, Lord. In fact, he did not. He reached the end of his life. He reached the end of life his way and he turned to God for purpose and for peace. And listen, I truly believe as we sit here with a number of people here today, as plain as I can make it, the answer to the confusion and the answer to the chaos going on in your heart and your mind and life is you need to turn from yourself and turn to God Almighty and don't turn back. You need his forgiveness, his compassion, and his mercy, and his grace. You need his standard and accountability and conviction. You need Jesus not just to forgive you of your sins, but to take you over. Why not today? Why, why wait on that? Even as we preach the message, you can bow your head and your heart before God and call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. It's as serious as repentance. It's as simple as faith. And the object of Jesus Christ the Son of God, sent to save sinners. Jesus said in the very next chapter in verse 39, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. Listen to that, listen to that. Jesus said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. What you are so scared of letting go is the thing that is keeping you from finding purpose. If you will let it go, you will find life in Jesus. Now, in verses 10 through 11, read with me. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Why does he eat with such sinners, such lowly people who are outcast in the community? Well, Jesus, certain, and this is important, certain of his conviction and Jesus, certain of his influence, socially engaged with sinners. And following the lead of Jesus, Matthew did the very same thing. Jesus saw and noticed Matthew. He reached out to him. Matthew then reached out to those that he saw and noticed as needing the very same thing. And this dinner at his house was a public profession for Matthew that he believed that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And it was a personal invitation to the same forgiveness and joy that he himself experienced. And he now, Matthew, is grounded in the truth of God and out of a grounding in the truth of God, a foundation for new living, he began a new association with sinners. When you get saved, 
you don't stop being around people. Somebody say amen. You don't disassociate yourself with the world when you get saved. You start changing it by the power of the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. Now, if somebody's told you different, they've told you wrong. Because when you look in the scripture, you see Jesus reach the world, flip the world. That person then reaches the world to flip the world. People reach people. See, this is certainly a lesson to be learned from this passage and important for us to hear. How will you reach people if you are never around people? And again, let me go back to this. Founded in the truth of God. Influence above the other. Now, I'm going to meddle here for just a moment. Some of us need to go to the tailgate and live in it and light it up. And some of us don't need to go at all because it's going to bring us down. Are you hearing me? That's as plain as I can make it. So you need to figure out which one it is. And don't be so high and mighty that you would distance yourself from people that actually need to see the light of Christ in your life. Or you need to know you need to get things straight on the standard of God so that you can be in a context where not everybody's saved and begin to light up the world and live in it. You know, I thought about myself this week. May it, may it be said of our church, may it be said of all of us, why do they fellowship with such scum? What a wonderful thing to be said of a church. Jesus identified Matthew, and now Matthew identifies more who need the same thing that he's got. Matthew's life was changing. And for anyone who commits their life to Christ and begins to yield to God's spirit, who they, are, who they used to be and what they used to do, now gives way to who God created them to be and what God desires for them to do. Lord, would you please take us home in this message? Before, Matthew cared for himself. Before, Matthew took from others. Now, Matthew cared for others and gave of himself. You see, this is completely different change as God's Spirit is taking him away from that text collector's booth and towards the feet of Jesus. And just as Jesus identified Matthew as a need of the gospel, Matthew identified others who needed the very same thing. Church, evidence of your own salvation is that you care about the salvation of others. Evidence that you've got what you need to have from God is that you care for others to have the very same thing. So what does Matthew do? And look at the scripture, what, what Matthew does. He moves past the point of concern to a position of outreach. Past the point of caring about it to an action of outreach. He opens his home and invites Jesus and the disciples to be there in hopes that others like him would also believe and find the grace and mercy and goodness and forgiveness of God. He opened up his life to the people right around him. Y'all, during the last summer, last two summers, here at Lindsay Lane, we have challenged you to have a neighborhood cookout. Now, maybe we need to change the language, but I want to tell you what that is. It's an opportunity on usually a Wednesday evening for you to go to a neighbor, grill up something that will cook, and invite them over Tell them that you are there for them and pray over them while they're there. That's what a neighborhood cookout is. You see, I heard a good, I read a good word, and I hesitate to say this because some people will take it a completely different way. But it said that a lot of times people are consistently talking about reaching the nations, but they are unwilling to reach their own neighbors. 
You see, it's all included. No, no way will we back up and say, that's exactly right. Don't you go to the nations till you go to your neighbors. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that we are often good at reaching across cultures when we get on a plane or a boat to go see somebody else. And all we got to do when we ride here is walk across that street, knock on the door. Your own neighbor, your neighbor's. See, in this, this simple concept of the neighborhood cookout, I think that many of the church, when you do things that are a little bit different like this, the church sometimes takes it as a night off. Oh, no, no, no. It's very much a night on. It's, in fact, what we are called to do. You go to your neighbor, you invite them over, you grill. If you're like me and you're not very good at it, you invite somebody to come over and grill for you. And then... You have conversations that matter as you get to know each other and you build bridges towards the end goal of sharing the good news or being the person that they knock on the door to when their ox is in a ditch. Amen? When they're broken, when they're hurting. And take note of this. We're not told how many of them repent and believe. Did you notice that? We're not told that. There was a dinner, Matthew set it up, Jesus and the disciples were there, tax collectors and other disreputable sinners were also there. We're not told how many of those were saved and baptized. So the question is not, are you winning people to Jesus? The question is, are we following Jesus and engaging people towards the good news? It's not how many people have you led to the Lord, it's are we following Jesus and engaging people towards the good news? Now, in this section of the scripture, take this lesson today. Two things. Get credible and get comfortable. Get credible and get comfortable. Get credible. Matthew had a past, right? We all know his past. We talked about that. But he also had a future. His life began to change from the darkness to the light of following Jesus. And in Mark and in Luke, you will find this very same passage, but it calls the tax collector's name Levi. So... Matthew either had a country double name like Andy John where his name was Levi Matthew and your parents give you a double name and they don't know if your name, your last name is your middle name or your first name is your middle name and all of that. And Matthew, and he was like, he called himself by one name because he's like, I'm going to stop to all that. So he either had a, a, a country double name or, <laughs> I thought of more I could add to that, or, Jesus changed his name from Levi to Matthew. So they were either both his name or Jesus changed his name. Now, when you see in the scripture that a name is changed, there's a sign that there is a new man. That that man has changed and the name that he goes by now is the name that was given to him by new authority. So when we talk about being credible this morning, you may ask the question, so what are you saying? I should change my name? No, you should change your ways. Credibility towards outreach. See, some of us will not think about going to someone else and inviting them to the saving grace of God that they know themselves because they're not living grace, they're living in the world. And that's the reason why we would not take a step of outreach is because we are still living in the blasted past. The things that God has forgiven us of. God didn't do the work of salvation for us to go back to the very reason that we needed forgiveness in the first place. In Luke chapter 4, verse 8, Jesus replied, The scriptures say, You must worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. Credibility. There is a need of credibility before 
outreach. Now, church, the reason we're preaching this today is because you can't until you get to that casket say things like, I just never could get to a place where, where you better get to that place because this is what God has called us to do. I worked at a, a local sporting goods store for one year in college, had a rave career there one year. Worst sporting goods salesman ever in the history of the world. I was supposed to be selling sporting goods of all kind, bumping up and all this stuff on my name tag to get, get to a different level. And I was terrible at it. Terrible. People would come in and they would be like, yeah, I need to uh, get some of these socks. This is on the list for us to buy these socks from here. And literally I would look at them and I'd be like, I wouldn't worry about that. Or I'd skip on down to Walmart and get them for half price. <laughs> That's awful. If I'm lying, I'm dying. That's why I'm not working there anymore. <laughs> and, then, and then there were also times where people would come in and they would be like, this is what they say that we need to have. And I would be like, I've played that before. If I were you, I wouldn't buy it at all. There's no need for you to buy that. <laughs> Instead of going, yeah, you should get this and two more, I, I would sell them on leaving the store without anything. So if someone were to say, where do you work? I work at this place and it's a good place. It's the best place for you to buy sporting goods. They would be like, brother, you have zero credibility because you told me to go to Walmart. <laughs> like you, you say that you represent where you are at, but you represent with your life a completely different thing. Listen, if, listen to this. If inviting someone to church or if inviting someone to your home with the idea of them being saved makes you nervous because you don't know how it's gonna go, I understand that. I really do get that, that's okay. But it's not okay if a Christian would not consider inviting someone to church or to their home because they cannot credibly share with them. The Spirit of God is working in you to give you power over the sin that holds you down. Yield to the Lord. One Christian leader said this, one cannot lead someone else closer to the Lord than he or she already is. Ephesians chapter four, verses 22 and 24, take this if you need it. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Got to get credible, church. We've got to get credible Start make, don't tell everybody you're about to make a change. Make a change and then let it be known. Secondly, it says it, that scripture teaches here you got to get comfortable. Now, get comfortable may not seem like it would be a point to fit with the idea of witnessing or being a living proof witness before others because engaging the world can actually be very uncomfortable. And so when you say get comfortable, what do you mean? Well, listen, while the scope of Matthew's ministry has now reached around the world, Matthew, the tax collector that was forgiven and set free of his sin, started inviting people to Jesus to his home that were right around him. You hearing that? And yes, the invitation was broad because the scripture says, along with many tax collectors, there were other, other disreputable sinners there. It was an open invitation for those who didn't think they could be in to be in. So, but who are these when it says, along with many tax collectors? These are his associates. They work for the same company. 
These guys speak the same language in the same circles. So when we say get comfortable, Matthew was engaging people towards the gospel. He began with people that he was comfortable with in a place that he was comfortable with. You can't be more comfortable in your own home. My word, that's home field advantage. And what do I mean by comfortable? Comfortable is the connection of I'm from where you're from. I'm from where you're from. I can connect with you where I am because that's who I am or who I used to be. And when identifying people who need the gospel, the general rule is just to move towards wherever people are broken. Wherever you see brokenness, you you meet that brokenness with the answer to the truth and grace of God. But that doesn't always mean that we engage people in places and positions that we have no connection to. One author said this, so where do you join God in his work? The short answer is to start where you already are. Go where you already go and just go with new eyes. That's good. A missionary has to learn the culture. A missionary has to learn a new language. A missionary has to learn what to avoid, what to engage. But within your own context, you've already crossed that bridge. Listen, if God leads you towards a mission trip and if God leads you towards a call to missions, you better go. But let's all be encouraged right here to be a living, faithful witness right where our feet are already planted. Matthew knew how to connect with those guys. Those ladies that were there, those guys that were there, the same jokes were told over and over. Tax collectors' jokes. Tax collectors talk while at a dinner party. They know what they know about each other because they're all from the same context. So the conversation is easy. He could get there because of that bridge that was already there. He could identify with their despair, with their loneliness, with them being misunderstood. He could identify with their stories to how they got to where they are. And when one of them said, you know, I know where we are or where we are. We are who we are, and there's no way that any one of us are going to get to heaven. Heaven's not made for places like us, for people like us. That's when Matthew could go, oh, no, 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 no. That's where you're wrong. And that's why I've invited you here, because I want you to hear from Jesus that will tell you the truth of your sin, but also the truth of God's grace. You see, the relationships from his past were the first circle that he wanted to reach and he invited them to his home. I have met people in the community when I tell them some of the people that go here, no joke, hand to the Lord. They are like, they are? They lead in your church? They are teaching and leading? in your local church, and they will bring up the name again. This has happened multiple times with a couple of different people. And I'll be like, absolutely. And automatically, they're starting to go, well, what in the world happened? God got a hold of their heart and changed their life. He can do the same for you if you'd like it. Are you a teacher? Are you a community leader? Are you in business? Do you work from home? Do you work at home? Who do you know in a similar context with a similar setup that has brokenness in their life, that has a need for God, 
and out of concern, church, build a bridge, which is a relationship, and take timely efforts towards outreach, engaging them with a gospel conversation. Jesus took the approach of identifying people with a mindset of, I've got what you need, and Matthew reached to those who he knew that were on the outside looking in to make the connection of, I'm from where you're from, and all of this is for the final point of, I've come to call. Look there in verses 12 and 13. Don't check out, don't check out. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. In verses 12 and 13, verse 11, Jesus is questioned as to why he is, why are you eating with such scum? Such lowly people. What a worthless, that's what scum is, is sinners. Your translation may say sinners. It's a worthless group of people. These tax collectors and disreputable sinners, they were viewed as less than good outsiders. And the question that they were asking the Pharisees is really not a question of all, at all. It's an accusation of Jesus doing wrong. If you are who you say you are, why do you associate yourself with people who talk like that, who look like that, who do those things? Why would you associate yourself with them? But the truth is, is that anyone outside of a right relationship with Jesus is scum. Whether you think you're high or mighty or not, you may live in a hundred house home on the top of a hill and on a hundred acres under it. Or you may live on the curbside of a street if you got a right relationship with God, you are righteous. Outside of that right relationship with God, if you remain in your sin, you are a sinner. That's it. You are separate from God. And they would question Jesus. Now, I don't understand why in the world you would be hanging out with those kind of folks. You can't be the kind of guy that you say that you are if you're going to hang out with those people. Well, then who should Jesus eat with? I guess nobody. Outside of Matthew, it would have just been him and Matthew. Because everybody there needed his grace. Everybody there needed the Lord. Listen to this. One, one author said, if Jesus hadn't eaten with sinners in a world like ours, he would have always eaten alone. The difference between the two sinners found in this passage, the Pharisees and then all the other disreputable sinners, is that one group takes a dinner with Jesus and the other takes exception to Jesus. The Pharisees considered themselves healthy, but everybody in the passage outside of Jesus and Matthew were sick. Everybody in the passage. And that's why Jesus came to call to repentance to those who know that they are sinners in need of saving grace. And then one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Where our pediatrician is, there's one side that is a sick side. And there's one side that is a well side. And you go to which one of those, depending on who you are that day. The well side is for regular checkups. The well side is for growth appointments, not for people who are feeling bad, but for those who are making sure that they associate themselves with the treatments that will see towards their development. That's why you go to the well side. The sick side is for those who are in a bad way. It's not good. You are not even close to health. They need healing for their hurting. And so their appointment is for the sick side so that their next appointment can be on 
the well side. Church, get the picture of this. There is a well side to the church for sure, where those who have been healed of their sin get together for growth. But we must not allow our health, listen to me, we must not allow our health become, to become self-righteousness. For we too were sick and on the other side until the great physician healed us. Listen, if a doctor's office does not treat the sick, it really can't be called a doctor's office at all. If the church does not reach the lost, it really cannot be called a church at all. Jesus said, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. I want you to show mercy to the disreputable sinner and the tax collector. That is godly. I don't want you to go back to the temple and, and talk with all the others that have been saved about how all the others outside of the temple are bad. That's not what I want you to do. I don't want you to offer these sacrifices and go through the motions and only associate with people who feel that they are on a higher plane for what reason other than God established them in a right relationship. But now, for whatever reason, they think they are so high and mighty that they can't even be around people who need me. We need to be so careful with this. So careful, yes, to acknowledge sin for what it is. Absolutely, there are times to stand and say that is wrong and we don't do that and we don't go there. But not forgetting that we too were sick until the great physician treated our ailment. You see, if you have the attitude of those people and the disreputable sinners and the tax collectors, you won't even rejoice when one of them gets saved. You won't even thank God when one of them repents of their sin and turns to God and experiences the grace and forgiveness. Instead, we will be like, well, I don't know. We'll see if it's right. We'll see if God really did save them or not. Give them a couple years. Give you a couple years. How about that? All right. Don't give in to the teaching of the world. You see, the teaching of the world can also get into the church. The teaching of the world is teaching us when you disagree with somebody, you cut them off. You have no relationship with them. You keep them at a distance and you don't let them influence you at all. You keep the door closed to them. That's what the world is saying to everybody. That's the teaching of the world. Jesus flipped Matthew. Matthew opened his home on a ground where he was comfortable with, invited the world in, in a place where he had influence over. Take note of this in Mark chapter 2, verse 15. There are many people of this kind. There were many people of this kind, tax collectors and other disreputable sinners among Jesus' followers. That scripture does not say there were many good people that were following Jesus. You know why? Because there are none good. No, not one. Not one is righteous, the Bible says. Our righteousness is only because of the grace and mercy of God. So let me close with simply by asking these three questions as we think over the message and what we've read. Are you like the first Matthew? Are you comfortable within your situation, but you are uncomfortable with your sin and you need to turn from yourself and follow Jesus with every single day of your life? 
You need to commit your life to Jesus, not just calling him for forgiveness of sins, but he needs to be your Lord. If that's where you are today and you find yourselves like the first Matthew, you need to stop playing games and start living for the Lord and invite someone into your life who can help you. Amen? Second question is this, are you like the second view of Matthew with a right and real relationship with God that should now move from a place of concern to a place of action? and outreach towards engaging the lost in relationship? Or third, are you like the Pharisee who wonders why Jesus himself would reach out to such sinners? It is my responsibility as a leader to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Who is that? All of us who have called upon the name of the Lord. If we are saints saved of God's wrath because of God's action through Jesus, then it is our responsibility to reach into the world with the good news that God saves, to be credible, to start where our feet are and reach people by the power of the Holy Spirit and the leading and prompting of the Spirit to witness to others, to be a living proof of what God has done for us. This is not my responsibility. It's not your responsibility. It's our responsibility. Amen. If today you find yourself in a place where I am that first Matthew, I'm comfortable where I'm at, but I'm uncomfortable with my sin. I need to be saved. I'll be honest about it. Just a moment we stand. If you would walk this aisle real quickly, stand right here with me, say, I need to be saved. We will take it from there real quick, real quick. Just a few steps for the rest of your life real quick. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Lord, I pray that the study, the preaching, the teaching, the songs, the welcome, the fellowship, all of the things that we've done in here today and will do as your local church will be glorifying to you. But God, may it never be our desire at this church just to look inward and just to minister to each other but to see the examples of the scripture where there are provided own ramps for the world to turn to you. God, may we be bold when it's time to be bold. Give us grace and compassion for others. Spirit of God, give us an awareness of ourself. We thank you, Lord, for your grace over us. I pray for the community, Lord, I pray for the people that we have an inroad, a bridge already with, Lord, that you would use us today and in the weeks to come to establish a relationship to answer the question of where they will spend eternity. And God, if we find ourselves truly, Lord, at a place today where we don't care that, God, we would find ourselves at this altar so that we would care more for lost people. Lord, I pray for those who have found themselves with a place of security in this world but uncomfortability with sin, God, that they would walk forward in the boldness and honesty of needing a new day. Lord, we pray for freedom from ourselves. Lord, help us not to look down our nose but to look up to you, see how you see people. Lord, help us to stand on the side of right but to reach to the side of wrong. Lord, we love you and thank you for your grace over us. And I pray today, Lord, if there's one or many that does not know 
that your grace is available to them today, no matter what they've done, that they can be forgiven and used for your great glory, just like Matthew. We thank you, O God, for your grace and mercy. Lead us from this place, Lord, to be a light in the world. And as we stand and as we sing, God, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth if we've not done so a time today. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open for you.